Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrie podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBrie, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer, Enrique Diaz-Alvarez, and Market Analyst, Roman Zuruk. Welcome, everyone, to our latest episode of FX Talk. And we've got a, a special episode today because we're joined by Tom Hill from The Express. Tom is a uh, city and finance reporter that covers everything from business to economics and central banks to currencies. And he's a, a former researcher and broadcast journalist at the BBC. Uh, so welcome, Tom, and thank you very much for joining the podcast episode today. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Great. Excellent. Uh, and what a week it is uh, for you to join us. It's been a, a very eventful one in financial markets and the global economy, to say the least. Uh, headlines in the past week or so have been dominated by heightened concerns that global growth could be set to slow during the remainder of the year uh, amid a confluence of downside risks. Uh, for one, China has continued to hold the line on its zero COVID policy. Uh, a number of major cities in China remain under strict lockdown measures. Shanghai, for instance, has entered a fourth week of tough measures with growth concerns, uh, growing concerns, I should say, that the Beijing could soon follow suit uh, as mass testing begins there. And this has raised concerns that the Chinese economy could be set to slow fairly markedly in 2022. Uh, major central banks also continue to indicate an aggressive pace of rate hikes it is on the way, particularly in the US, with the market now pricing in around about 230 basis points of hikes from the Federal Reserve this year. Uh, while this should have the desired effect of easing inflation, markets fear that it could also weigh on growth. Uh, we also had the news this week that Russia has cut its supply of gas to Poland and Bulgaria, which investors believe could weigh on European growth. In FX, we've seen a classic period of risk-off trading. Uh, the US dollar has been by far and away the best performing currency, running sharply against pretty much everything else. Uh, most emerging market currencies are down, some in excess of 4 or 5% for the last week alone. Uh, the major currencies have also suffered rather extraordinary sell-offs, in most, most cases to multi-month or multi-year lows. Uh, two of the most notable examples, and the two currencies actually we're going to focus on largely today, uh, are the pound and the euro. Euro dollar has collapsed to its lowest level in more than five years and was trading below the 105 level this morning. As Sterling, meanwhile, is trading at its lowest level since July 2020, uh, having now sold off by more than 4% in a little under a week. Uh, so first of all, uh, maybe we can start with you, Tom. What are your sort of general thoughts on these growth concerns and how financial markets uh, in general have reacted so far? Well, I think essentially it's just such an incredible kind of convergence of different factors you've got going on here. I mean, you've got the massive sort of distortion to commodity markets uh, and the sort of economic fallout from the Russian conflict in Ukraine. At the same time, you've got uh, you know these lockdowns uh, in China. You know, you've got something like Shanghai, a city of twenty-six million people, a key financial hub. Uh, shut down the resulting disruption in ports. And, and let's not forget that all of this is coming off the back of a point where economies are trying to rebuild themselves a after a sort of unprecedented two years of um, you know, lockdowns and, and restrictions. So it, it's a sort of incredible convergence. And uh, I think essentially just sort of a huge challenge for uh, central banks trying to navigate their way through this really with this, this sort of twin threat of uh, inflation, as you say, the kind of shadows are, are over growth we're seeing at the moment. 
What are your thoughts, Enrique, on, on this slowdown in growth that we've seen and, and the market reaction so far? Uh, it's, I mean, the, it's in a way, I think that's for for you know the, much of the pandemic after the initial month or so. I think markets had had gotten used to uh, to tight ranges and relatively low volatility in currency markets, and uh, I think that that world is gone for good. I think that we're going to have both a lot of volatility and very clear trends. Um, markets in general, but particularly in 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 uh, currency markets, um, uh, what we're seeing is is this this genuine uncertainty as to the pace and the uh, and and of, of central bank tightening and uh, how how quickly and how far up the rates will go. And I think that uh, in in the currency markets, especially, that's what's driving most of these uh, changes in trend. And my a comment about the China. Situation and the China lockdowns is that, I mean, I've, I've been a long-standing bull on China. I've been hearing about the potential catastrophe in China for twenty years, and it kept not happening. But I have to say that there's something worrisome about uh, the inability of Chinese authorities to to correct, to error correct, uh, away from a policy COVID zero that uh, that probably made sense at the beginning of the pandemic, but uh, it's been long since it made any sense where the, uh, the the harms are significantly outweighed any good that it does. So um, there's there's a lot of volatility. there's uh, some some trend reversals in in there and I think for but uh, they're both quite justified. Yeah, yeah, a lot of volatility is a very as I said at the top, it's a very interesting period in the markets at the moment. Um, Unfortunately, of course, we can't talk about every currency that was sold off in the last week or so, otherwise we'll be here all night. But what we are going to do is we're going to focus um, on two main currencies, um, as I mentioned. First of all, um, sterling and then the euro. Um, sterling has, has underperformed almost all of its major peers in the past week or so, at the time of recording anyway, um, with only the Norwegian krona in the G10 suffering a large sell-off against the dollar. Uh, the GBP USD pair is currently trading below the 125 level, and, and who knows at the time of this release of this episode, it may have made an even fresh march lower. Um, now, of course, much of the sell-off has been driven by external factors that we've mentioned, but domestically, the UK is also experiencing a cost of living crisis. Inflation is its highest level in around 30 years. We've had political squabbling in the House of Commons over the heavily publicised Party Gate, uh, and the Bank of England also also struck a dovish tone in its recent communications and notably at the last MPC meeting in March. Um, but we'll go over to you, Tom, first. Uh, what do you think about sterling, and, and what do you think have been the main rationales for, for the, the extent of this sell-off in the pound and, and its underperformance in the last week or so? Yeah, well, I, I think some of the domestic factors are quite interesting. I think you, you know, you're right to mention the cost of living there. It was, it was quite interesting uh, you know, see, seeing the retail figures recently and uh, you know, just how much consumers are starting to kind of rein in spending and, and the, the knock-on effect that's going to have for UK businesses. And we've got a sort of interesting situation where, you know, we've had these rate hikes from the Bank of England and the markets are pricing in interest rates going further. But, you know, this, there's a considerable lag effect there. So we're going to be going through a period of high inflation and rising interest rates at the same time. And I think that, you know, that potentially is, is going to put quite a strain on um, business investment and growth. So, you know, I, I think there is quite a lot domestically going on there that is sort of, you know, weakening that outlook for GDP and, and, and therefore weighing on the pound, you know, even though 
so so far, um, you know, the, the Bank of England has been one of the more hawkish central banks. But granted, it's taken a bit more of a dovish turn uh, recently. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what we've seen from the Bank of England in its recent communications. Um, I think we were quite surprised at its last meeting in March. Instead of taking a, a more hawkish shift, it it actually raised fresh concerns, heightened concerns over the growth outlook, saying that you know there was little it could do against. Um, rising commodity prices um, and that indicating perhaps that, that maybe um, the market got a little bit carried away with itself uh, with the, the pace of hikes that it was pricing in. Um, we do, of course, have the Bank of England's next policy meeting uh, in around about a week's time, Thursday, the 5th of May, um, which is clearly shaping up to be a highly important one for markets. Um, so, what, so what do you expect, Tom, uh, uh, um, ahead of next week's Bank of England meeting um, and, and for the Bank of England in general during the rest of the year? Do you think they'll continue raising rates as aggressively as they have done so far? Or do you think they'll, perhaps there'll be a pause in the hiking cycle at some point? Well, I, th- I think I'd be very surprised if they hold next week. I, I, I think there's, you know, there's, there's such pricing in now of, of a rate hike, and I, you know, I think Andrew Bailey would be sort of keen to avoid some of the criticism he had late last year when uh, the markets were kind of surprised by them holding. So I, I, I think May is, is very likely to see us go up to one percent. The outlook going into the rest of the year, though, it, it's I, I really think is, is a lot harder to predict. I mean, you know, there's, there's been some interesting predictions out this week of you know potentially 2023 seeing rates as going as high as three percent, which um, yeah is you know we're taking back to levels kind of not seen in over a decade. Uh, whether or not we sort of do get there, I mean, what I think is quite interesting is just the sort of division of opinion. At the moment, really, and and um, and you know, you can see how quickly when you when you look at the voting records of the MPC, how you know how quickly it sort of changed from backing at you know one point of point five percent increase uh, down, and and you see this kind of speaking to former MPC members. I mean, I, you know, I've I've heard opinions um, varying from arguments that they shouldn't be hiking at, at all, and this is going to risk a recession, through to people saying they were behind the curb and you know need to go much. Faster and harder. So, it it seems to be such a sort of divided thing at the moment, where you know the the, the, the you know there's very little the consensus. I, I do think it's quite hard to predict, but I, I think certainly um, uh, you know to predict a hike in May, and, and there will be further ones to come. Just I think just the um, the, the timing is probably the question. I, I think there is possibly a chance that you know that they might wait and see. And wait on the data for a couple of months after May before putting the foot down on the accelerator again. Yeah, and I think that's the big uncertainty hint in the meeting. I mean, usually when we go into these MPC meetings, we have a general idea as to what's going to happen and what they're going to say. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty going into next week's one. As you said, we're probably likely to get another 25 basis point hike. But beyond then, I guess it's really it's anyone's guess at the moment. Um, I think you might be right. It might be a scenario where they simply say we're going to we're going to stand and wait for, for incoming data before we decide on next policy moves. Um, if they do that, I mean, sterling is already trading at its lowest level in in almost two years. We could be in for further downside because the market is already pricing in a very aggressive pace of hikes in the UK this year. Um, Great. We're going to move on now and and talk about the euro, um, which has suffered from a a similarly violent move in the past few trading sessions as sterling has. Um, Euro dollar 
actually fell below the 105 level on Thursday for the first time in more than five years, uh, extending its move lower to around about 6% uh, since the end of March, which is one of the most aggressive moves we've seen in the pair in a number of years. Uh, the news that Russia has cut its supply of gas uh, to Poland and Bulgaria has spooked investors. Um, we've seen Germany, for instance, revise lower its 2022 growth forecast. And some onlookers are even suggesting that a Eurozone recession and parity in Euro dollar uh, could be on the cards this year. Um, but what do you guys both make of, of the sell-off uh, in, that we've seen in the Euro? Why are we seeing such a, a violent move uh, in the common currency? I mean, uh, from my perspective, it's it's clear. I mean, it's been the story of uh, European currencies versus the U.S. dollar since the beginning of the year, pretty much. Uh, by the way, the sterling um, is still relative to the euro, and other European currencies is mostly holding the ranges of the, of the last few months. It's it's all a dollar story, and over there, where well, we have this this massive divergence between not just the actual expected policy, but the the rhetoric of the central banks. Uh, it's either side of, of the Atlantic. I mean, the Federal Reserve is talking about back-to-back -back 50 basis point moves, which would be a first in decades. Uh, markets are pricing in almost four back-to-back -back 50 basis point hikes, 25 basis point hikes in subsequent meetings, which is an unprecedented rate of tightening, albeit from extremely low levels, uh, even lower <laughs> if, you, if you look at where inflation is. So... Uh, we're going from extremely loose monetary settings to still loose, but uh, we're doing that at, a, at, a, at, a, at an unprecedented speed. Whereas the European Central Bank, uh, much like the Bank of England, is somewhere between its communications have been somewhere between dovish and muddled, you know, in that in that range. And the net result is a huge uh, a blowout of the interest rate spread across both sides of the Atlantic and. That traditionally, in the past, that has resulted in significant dollar appreciation, and and so far this this location is no different. And to that, you add the uh, the specific uh, risks from the Ukraine war, which is uh, which are impacts uh, uh, is, is likely to impact the European economy far more than the American economy, which is largely uh, self sufficient in energy. Uh, and then yeah, it makes it makes sense that we are talking about one of five levels, and people are starting to talk about parity. What are your thoughts, Tom, on uh, on this move lower in the euro and and the sort of general growth risks that we see him piling up in 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 the eurozone? Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of it you know does come down to sort of proximity to Russia, and you know we can see that in some of the other European currencies. Uh, you know, the uh, zloty has declined against the dollar, given the uh, Russian block on. Gas exports to Poland, so I, I think you know a, a lot of it is just sort of intensified around this spillover, and and the US is is maintaining its position there as a, a safe haven currency, you know, the, the, in, a, in a sort of destination for that flight. I mean, you know, we, we, we've even seen the, the the dollar sort of, uh, you know, kind of outperforming the, the the yen, you know, even though that's traditionally another sort of, sort of safe haven there. So it's 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 kind of a bit of a sort of kind of Tale of two sides in the in the sense that you you you've got these uh, big sort of geopolitical risks overshadowing Europe, whereas at the same time the, the US has managed to kind of emerge from the pandemic without being uh, you know as closely exposed to that, and, and you know and particularly on the the energy issues as well, the US has. 
uh, you know, a bit, bit more of its own um, energy capacity. It doesn't have that same kind of dependence on Russia that the, the Eurozone has. So there's, um, you know, there is an element of sort of geography to this as well. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting characteristic of the move we've seen in the dollar here. It's, it's, it's very much emerged as a, the safe haven currency of choice um, for, for a number of reasons. You know, the, the, the reliance of the US economy, for one, particularly given the uncertainty uh, in Russia and Ukraine, um, uh, and also uh, the Federal Reserve's hawkishness as well, at a time when you mentioned the, the Japanese yen, which is underperformed. Uh, the Bank of Japan has remained um, incredibly dovish um, and continues to stick by its easing policies. So uh, everything's sort of pointing in, in the, the, the direction of the dollar at the moment. Um, I think we have to mention the ECB as well. Um, the Governing Council uh, has continued to strike a largely dovish tone during its recent official communications, which has been part of the reason we think why euro dollar has continued to underperform a lot of its peers. Um, although I think it's, it's fair to say we are beginning to see sort of tentative signs of a hawkish shift among some members. Um, a number of policymakers have suggested a rate hike, rate hike in the eurozone is possible at the bank's July meeting with two or three rate increases um, possible this year. And indeed, if we look at swaps, they're now pricing in around about 80 basis points of hikes from the ECB this year, um, albeit that has provided little support for the common currency uh, just yet. Um, but what do you guys think of this timetable? Do you think um, it sounds reasonable to you? Can we expect the first interest rate hike maybe at the July meeting with a few more to follow during the remainder of the year? I mean, I, I think that I've seen a, a serious crisis in the financial market or some serious accident uh, in the German economy. Uh, uh, I'm increasingly of the view that uh, a hike in July is more or less baked in. Uh, that there's, uh, we've already seen uh, the beginnings of change in rhetoric uh, last week, we saw from the Guindos, from uh, President Lagarde. Uh, I think this is very meaningful. The ECB moves very slowly. Uh, when it turns around, it's, it's almost like a transatlantic. It takes them a while. But I think we're already seeing the, the first turns of the of the wheel there. Um, I would be I would be shocked if, in the absence of some crisis, we don't see a July hike at this point. Personally. Would you tend to agree with that, Tom? What are your thoughts on uh, the European Central Bank this year? Yeah, well, well I think Enrique is quite right, and there's a point around the, the, the slowness with which it moves. And it is quite interesting, the contrast between the ECB and sort of what's going on in some of the member states. I mean, you know, just recently we've had comments from Christine Lagarde sort of insisting that inflation in Europe is a very different sort of inflation to in the, in the US. And, you know, we've had this line time and time again about inflation. Uh, sorry, about the interest rates won't bring more energy to market. But then it's interesting to look at the um, German inflation statistics out today, you know, despite energy inflation falling, the overall inflation rate has gone up because of um, inflation on food. So there's sort of clear indications that it's inflation is becoming a lot more persistent than I think the ECB have uh, been sort of accepting so far. And, you know, that that pressure is going to grow. And, and, you know, we see that in the individual central banks. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the Bundesbank uh, has been, has you know, ex- expressed concern uh, uh, over inflation. You know, Germany you know, traditionally has been quite an inflation adverse country and, and that pressure is going to grow. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of time as to uh, the ECB catching up with that. And you know, I, I expect in the sort of coming month or, or so that that pressure is really going to intensify, particularly as we see more kind of data emerging like the German um, inflation figures today. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to be um, very interesting. We're watching the European Central Bank 
very closely as always, particularly Lagarde's speeches in, in the coming weeks to see whether we do perhaps or, or are perhaps going to get this, this hawkish shift at its June meeting. Um, I think much like the Bank of England next week, that June meeting of the ECB uh, shaping up to be a, a very key event risk um, for the euro. Um, and we may need to get that hawkish shift um, or, or less. We could continue to see this this move lower in the euro, particularly against the dollar, which uh, looks to be king above all else just at the moment in the foreign exchange market. And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs>